This is a death blow to that aforementioned establishment, which I usually describe as this faction with candidates that are supported heavily by the business community and business leaders and also some labor organizations. Having that endorsement typically was useful. I mean, basically the way Prop D is set up is there's just a do-over. You can have two candidates in the primary. Those two candidates have to face off again in the right. general. I can see them changing that I, I think forward. so, too, and I don't really think that you're going to get into the whole, oh, we're, you know, abridging the will of the voters there, because I think that's a genuine issue with approval voting that maybe people can defend, but I think it's it's kind of goofy, to be honest with you. I'm Sarah Fetsky. This is St. Louis on the Air. Yesterday, St. Louis City voters went to the polls to vote for mayor, comptroller, and in some wards, aldermen. That happens every four years. But this year was something new. This was also the city's first attempt at nonpartisan approval voting. Of the four candidates, city residents could vote for as many as they liked. Turns out they liked the two women in the race better. City Treasurer Tashara Jones garnered the most votes. She said this while speaking to the media last night. We need change in our city to ensure that regardless of any identity you hold, that you should be able to succeed here. And also advancing to the general was another candidate with support from the city's progressives. That is Alderwoman Kara Spencer. What we see here tonight is a real embracing of a different vision for St. Louis, and I'm excited about that. Tashara Jones and Kara Spencer face off April 6th. And joining us today to talk about what happened yesterday and how that bodes for the general election is St. Louis Public Radio political correspondent Jason Rosenbaum. Jason, welcome. Thank you for having me. So Board of Aldermen President Lewis Reed, he was arguably the candidate of the city's Democratic establishment. He was knocked out of contention last night. What do you make of that? Oh, I think this is... You know, never say never in St. Louis politics, but I think one of the biggest stories, and it's admittingly kind of an insular story, is this is a death blow to that aforementioned establishment, which I usually describe as this faction with candidates that are supported heavily by the business community and business leaders and also some labor organizations. Though in this case, a lot of trade unions stayed neutral uh, in this particular time. But this is the faction that, you know, Francis Slay used to win four terms and Steve Stanger used to prop himself up before he, you know, went to jail and also Lyda Cruson. Mm -hmm. And much of that faction went toward Reed. And I'm looking at the ward by ward numbers now. He got crushed in North St. Louis. He was supposed to do really well in Southwest St. Louis and lost to Kara Spencer there. I don't think he would have he wouldn't have won even if there wasn't approval voting. I don't see mm. a path. And I'm looking at these numbers. I don't see a path to where she, he could have won under this circumstance. So it really matters because that aforementioned faction has been basically driven out of St. Louis County, even though Sam Page is obviously being heavily challenged by disparate factions right now. It's a real paradigm shift in St. Louis regional politics after yesterday. Yeah, I mean, it does seem like this this signifies some sort of new era here. It remains to be seen uh, who's going to be our new mayor, although Tashara Jones uh, has a, had a pretty clear lead coming out last night. Right. And I think one thing that uh, Tashara Jones has a clear advantage of going into the runoff is uh, she did much better in the heavily African-American North St. Louis than she did in 2017. And a lot of the people that voted for Reed and her 
are probably going to vote for her unless Kara Spencer can do a whole lot of outreach that's kind of unprecedented for a white candidate in St. Louis politics. And all Tashara Jones really needs to do, and I'm, I'm saying that as it's an easy thing, is just like, you know, play up her strengths in parts of South St. Louis that are either, you know, white, integrated. There are African-American parts of South St. Louis, too. Mm-hmm. If she bounds together that coalition, I think she's formidable. But I think it remains to be seen if Kara Spencer can ride this momentum into the April election because she clearly has gained a lot of followers in South St. Louis, uh, where she represents, uh, you know, part of the 20th or 20th ward of the Board of Aldermen. And if she's able to, you know, marshal up a really well-organized, well-funded campaign, maybe she has a chance. Yeah, she took the spot that I think a lot of people assumed was Lewis Reed's. What do you think she did right in her campaign? Uh, I think this is probably one of the areas where approval voting helped her. It's is that she was either the first or second choice in both the Southwest side, which I'm used to live in and has more moderate to conservative voters, and then was also probably the second or first choice in the South Central and Southeast side, many of the wards that Tashara Jones won. I was actually talking with Rachel Lipman about this today for an episode of Politically Speaking that should be out later today. In 2019, I think the Southwest side went for Lewis Reed because a lot of voters there saw Megan Green and Jamal Nasheed as unacceptable alternatives. And you're speaking of the uh, uh, Board of Aldermen presidency, which he did win. He did win. And so he won the Southwest side pretty handily. I think this time around, I think a lot of Southwest side voters found Kara Spencer to be fine even though she is much more left of center than they're used to. Also, you got to keep in mind that Andrew Jones, the former Republican nominee in 2017, did get reasonably significant amounts of support in Southwest St. Louis. And I I guess it's now, uh, this was the coming out party for Republicans that only voted in the Republican primary. Now they can be like, you know, their brethren who voted in the Democratic primary, pretending to be Democrats for just a, a cycle, which is, you know, the worst kept secret in St. Louis. There, there was certainly a lot of that going on. I think it's worth mentioning when you brought up Andrew Jones there. He and Lewis Reed were the two candidates who were endorsed mm-hmm. by the St. Louis Police Union. Yes. Um, and that police union is pretty conservative. I, I believe it endorsed Donald Trump. Uh, they went after those two. Those two both went down in flames. Do you see their supporters now pivoting to vote for Spencer just because they dislike Tashara Jones so much? I, I think it remains to be seen, but I, I know that that you know, the St. Louis Police Officers Association is not popular amongst quote unquote progressives, but the fact remains that they've endorsed the winner of like the last, what, three, four, five mayoral elections. I have to imagine they mm-hmm. endorsed Slay. I, I have to imagine that they, and I know that they endorsed Cruson. Um, so having that endorsement typically was useful, but it wasn't this time around. Um, I will also just add that you know, the, this is the second cycle in a row that the Post-Dispatch endorsed people that did not really do that well. Obviously, they endorsed Reed and Spencer, but Jones refused to even meet with them. 
and she got 56% of the vote. So I, I think that calls into question whether like some of these endorsements really matter much anymore. Yeah, and they have had blistering attacks on Tashara Jones on that paper's editorial page. Um, it's interesting to think about what their relationship is going to be with her if, if she does get elected. I, I, I don't know, but it's like last time they, they endorsed Antonio French, who is now a member of the editorial board. And I, I, I really like Antonio a lot. I've known him for a long time, but he came in fourth. So... I think the results kind of speak for themselves there. Not much clout there. It's interesting. We asked listeners for their thoughts on this rice. Boy, did we get a lot of thoughts. Everybody <laughs> okay. has a, a different theory on this. One thing that was brought up, Brandon wrote on our St. Louis on the Air Facebook page. He wrote, results lack transparency. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people are very curious about how votes were split. Is that data we're ever going to be able to I, get our I, hands on? I don't know. The data that I've just been scanning pretty furiously is only, it doesn't have that type of data, like, you know, somebody voted for two and somebody Which voted two? for three yeah. and somebody voted for zero. I don't know. Um, it would be nice to have, but I think uh, I think the results kind of speak for themselves, even mm-hmm. if we can't get that granular. We also heard from Blaine on Twitter. Uh, he notes, he or she, I'm not sure which, my ballot didn't even have an option for write-in. Is this a new rule under Prop D? This is something that we certainly didn't pay a lot of attention to prior to going in to vote. Yeah, but- my understanding is write-ins aren't allowed. And a part of it may be related to the fact that you need to get signatures to get on the ballot now. And the idea is if you went through the trouble of getting signatures, then why should you be able to win an election through write-in candidacy? I have to imagine, though, the signature requirement is something that's going to be changed um, by by the Board of Aldermen, because I think that some people argued that it was a barrier to entry, especially for the mayor's race. Another thing that I'm going to be looking to is whether, like, if it's a two-person race and one person gets 75% of the vote, should there even be a runoff? I know that people aren't supposed to feel sorry for politicians, but how fair is it to people like Brandon Bosley and Megan Green and Dan Gunther and even Ann Schweitzer that they have to run twice and spend you know, their hard-earned campaign dollars to somebody that they're, they're clearly favored to win, and they're in the same vote as someone like Jack Coder or Vicki Grass who have a more competitive race? Uh, I, I, guess it's, I guess that's not a good reason, but it doesn't really seem fair to those candidates that clearly are going to win in April. Yeah, I mean, basically the way Prop D is set up is there's just a do-over. You can have two candidates in the primary. Those two candidates have to face off again in the right. general. I can see them changing that I, I think forward. so, too. And I don't really think that you're going to get into the whole, oh, we're, you know, abridging the will of the voters there, because I think that's a genuine issue with approval voting that maybe people can defend, but I think it's it's kind of goofy to be honest with you. One other thing I wanted to mention, since you mentioned these aldermanic races, um, it does look like at least one incumbent is in trouble. That's Beth Murphy in the 13th Ward. Ann Schweitzer had a great showing yesterday. There's a couple other races that are closer than people thought they would be. Can progressives seize control of the Board of Aldermen and not just the mayor's office? I, I think that remains to be seen. I, I definitely think Schweitzer is favored against Beth Murphy. The thing that we got to remember is like the, the wards are going to shrink and there's only going to be 14 alder, aldermen and so aldermen. This is a very temporary paradigm. And it could we're be a situation at. where you have like a progressive majority for a short amount of time, but you know the establishment strikes back. So yeah, I was talking about how it's a death blow for the establishment, but things in St. Louis politics are secular. I think that's the right word. Secular. I, I think that is right. Secular. Yeah, and so it's not out of the question that they could regroup and you know 
uh, you know, strike back in a couple of years. So some other thoughts on from Twitter. Uh, Shauna says, about to get fugly. I think a lot of progressives are thinking this is going to be a nasty time. It could be because I don't think Tashara Jones and Kara Spencer are our best of friends. I, I do. I, I know that like Tashara Jones endorsed Kara Spencer's opponent in 2019. And if I'm not mistaken, Kara Spencer endorsed Jeffrey Boyd in 2020. She did. So I don't think there's really any love loss there. It's interesting. It, I wasn't surprised that Lewis Reed and, and Tashara Jones said that they would endorse each other just because I think it would have looked a little odd for an African-American candidate that wants to win black votes to endorse a white candidate. Hmm. Um, I think there was a little bit of strategy there. But I, I think it was notable that, you know, they would endorse each other but not Kara Spencer. I just don't think there's any love lost there. I, I think that's the understatement. Um, another thought from Twitter, this comes from Harvatin, who says, looking forward to majority approval. You know, I think a big problem for Mayor Lida Krusen was that she was elected without a majority of voters. It seems like this is a positive development, if nothing else, that whoever gets elected is going to have 51 percent. It, it could be. I mean, you, know, you can make the semantical ar- argument that, yeah, Lida Krusen did have a majority vote when she ran against Andrew Jones in the general, but that's not a very convincing argument. Um, It's a similar thing with uh, Sam Page. Sam Page did not get a majority support in the Democratic primary, ran against, you know, Paul Berry and did get a majority. But as you can see now, he's in a pretty weak position because the council isn't aligned with him. So I guess that will help. But a lot of it's going to depend on like how the Board of Aldermen aligns with whoever wins. And also, if they can get support of Reed, who is still going to be on the Board of Estimate and Apportionment, and Darlene Green. Um, it will be interesting, though, if uh, Tashara Jones manages to win. I think that has to be the first time it's been an all-black ENA before. And, and that's, be... that's the Board of Estimate and Apportionment. They basically have to sign off on all city contracts. So that would be a big moment for black political power. Even though those three are not always seeing eye to eye, it still would be a pretty seminal moment in St. Louis politics if it happens. But we got to see in April if that actually occurs. And Jason, I know we will be talking to you plenty in the next month as we wait to see how all this shakes out. So St. Louis uh, Public Radio political correspondent Jason Rosenbaum, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU. something new from today's episode, consider leaving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the easiest way to help people discover our show. We appreciate it. Thank you. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.